Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Well, good morning and welcome to Real Life Church. We are so expectant of what God is going to do in this place this morning. So whether you're with us here in person or joining us online, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to press into worship together today.
God together through this next song. And no matter what season you're in, whether it's a season of doubt or a season of joy, my prayer for you is that you could just can cling to his goodness, cling to his mercy today, and be able to say that it is well with your soul.
God, we just give it up to you this morning, and we just can sing your praises, God, knowing that no matter what's happening outside this room, no matter what is troubling us in our day-to-day life, God, that we can truthfully sing, it is well. It is well with our soul because of who you are, God, because of how deeply you care about us, how deeply you pursue us, God, and we just praise you for that today. We just leave it all, all at the altar for you today, God. Please don't let us leave here this morning the same as how we came in, God. Change our hearts today. Challenge us today, God. And just accept our praise, God, for who you are. Everybody in the room, say it with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, what's going on, Real Life Church? Was that some powerful worship or what this morning? Man, so I'll say it every week. I'll repeat it every week because it's true. It is just such an honor to worship with a group of people like this, man. And just we'll never take that for granted again, I don't think. But, man, it's been an awesome morning. Before we do anything else, though, before we get going, I want to extend a huge welcome to Real Life Church Online. Can we give it up big for them here in the house today? Yeah. So cool. And you know, not only those of you that are watching live with us now, but maybe those that connect with us later throughout the week on a podcast or YouTube, we're just so pumped you're here. If you're here live right now, though, throw up some likes and some hearts and fellowship in the chat today and be looking for some links to click on. Everyone here in the room, you may be seated. And as you're being seated, I want to extend a huge welcome to everybody who is brand new to Real Life Church. We are honored that you're here today. Can we give it up big for our brand new guests today? Why not? Yeah. We're just pumped that you're here. We're glad that God brought you here on purpose and with a purpose. And I can't wait to see what he's going to reveal in your life today. You know, if you're brand new, I want you to get your phone out right now. If you're online and you're brand new, there's a link. Get that phone and text RL New to 97000 if you've never done that before. When you do, a member of our connection team would love to reach out to you completely digitally this week. We just want to check in on you. Just, you know, see how Sunday morning went, answer any questions you might have about Real Life Church, and see how we could be praying for you this week. So I hope you'll do that. And I just want to encourage you, you know, maybe this is the first Sunday, maybe it's the second or third. What would happen if you just kept that ball rolling? What would happen if you gave God the next three Sundays to see what truths he's going to reveal to you in this brand new series we're starting today? Just what kind of fellowship you'll have with the other people here at Real Life Church? I think God can do some really powerful things if you'll just if you'll just make that commitment, okay? No pressure, just a little gentle encouragement. If you're brand new, please don't leave here today without stopping by our new here booth. We have a small gift for you, just our way of saying thanks. So we'd love to just chat with you a little bit. And I also extend that to anybody wearing a name tag. Just go up and talk to us because we would love to just connect with you before you head out the door today. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about Real Life Church. If you're new or new-ish, Real Life Church is a church on a mission, okay? That mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose. And that real life and purpose, of course, is only found in Jesus. Now, you might have came in here today with some questions on your heart. You might have walked through these doors not knowing exactly, you know, who Jesus is. What does the Bible really say? Is it even true? Is all of this even, are we just doing this in vain? Well, I'm t- you're in the right place if you're thinking that today because Sean is starting a brand new series today called Questions, and that's what we're gonna dive into. And not just the easy ones, okay? The stuff, the questions, 
that you're scared to even tell other people about, the questions that you kind of keep in your heart. Let's lean in today because Sean's not just going to talk to us, okay? He's really going to invite us to have a discussion about how we can start answering these questions and maybe even lifting some of the doubts we might have. So by golly, here he is in the flesh. Can you give it up big for Pastor Sean Petrie? Welcome back to the stage. I'm not going to hold your hand today. I love you, Drew. Drew ate his spiritual weeds this morning, I'll tell you that much. So, well, I'm glad to be back after six weeks, man, at the movies, youth camp takeover. And uh, man, you guys side been to house today? A little bit? All right, I love it. So a um, couple things. I want to brag on the team a little bit. It's been a while since I've been up here, and I just got some good news and things I want to share. First of all, i say thanks for everybody who made At The Movies possible. If you missed out these last uh, about five weeks, we've done At The Movies and playing different movie, Paul's spiritual theme. And um, man, I want to give it to a specific teams that just really went above and beyond. Our events team and all the popcorn, all the soda, all the stuff they did, there's like a thousand little things behind the scenes they pulled off. So come on, give it up for our events team. Incredible. There's even some new people on the team helping out. All the ushers, I mean, just bringing all the stuff down. Looking like fools for Jesus. Come on, somebody. I uh, loved it. Um, my favorite thing, uh, Jerry and suspenders. Come on. Uh, and a shirt. Um, yeah, so uh, our kids team, incredible. Uh, this, did, this is the first year they ever did at the movies with the kids program. And they just said, hey, let's just uh, dive in. Let's just, we'll uh, clip some movies out. We'll go for it. And they went like above and beyond. They actually made, this was really cool. Last week, my kids came home with an adventure book. Man, from Up. This is like, where, man, I don't even know. Did they steal this? Like, did they, I don't know what happened, but it's incredible. And so I just love what you guys are doing with those kids. And I know my kids love it. I mean, uh, my, my little girl, Emery, she's like, um, Jack, don't be afraid. We're out hiking yesterday, like a four-mile hike. And don't be afraid. God is with you. And she's three, you know. And it's like, where'd you learn that at? I learned it at church. And um, she's, I mean, it's cool. The age is soaking everything up. So very, very awesome job. We're good for a kids program, man. Let them know. Let them know. All right, last but not least, our creative team. Uh, they put together promos and videos, and we were shooting shots and, and just random stuff. People spraying with hoses, and they're turning to day-night shots, just random things. Like, so a whole thing, and a really special shout-out um, on that team went above and beyond, more than really needed to do, but made it phenomenal. And uh, it's Jared Taylor. He's in the back. Come on, get it for Jared. Raise your hand. He's like one of those guys, if he wasn't helping, it'd be noticeably different, you know? <laughs> be like me and my, like when we started out with COVID, it was like me and my iPhone, you know? And I was like, Jared, you need to come on our staff immediately because this is terrible. And uh, I think it was actually so bad, you can't go back and find that Sunday in our archives because that's how bad it was. They, they, these creative guys like don't even put it up there. So uh, anyway, appreciate guys all holding down the fort. What an incredible last six and uh, five, six weeks. Uh, second thing is this. This is really, really special in our church. And you may not know this, but our heart behind the scenes is really been to develop and deploy leaders in the church and really just develop big people, not just big ministries, and to pour into people individually, help them gain confidence, character, help them shape their calling and uh, real their competency in areas. And so we've been pouring in and it's just been really big on our heart. Like we've been scratching this itch for a long time. Like, man, how do we like live on mission? Not the church that says, hey, come and see, come and see, but the church says, please go on, live on mission. Like, please be all God's called you to be and help people develop that. And there's a lot that goes into it. My staff, I mean, they're, they've heard this a million times. You're probably just like, what are you talking about? And so uh, I'm just proud to say God's been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, two and a half years old when COVID hit as a church. And uh, we're like, will we be here at the end of this? You know, and we're a year and a half into COVID. And, uh, man, God has been so faithful. This year, this is really cool. We've added 35 new people to our dream team this year. Come on, give it up for those 35 people. Incredible. 
And you're like, I don't know why I clapped, but I clapped for something there. <laughs> but the dream team is what makes everything happen. And really, we're trying to partner with people for their gifting and call, their experience, their abilities, their calling, and say, hey, let's do more for God together than apart. And so we get the privilege and honor of just working and serving next to everybody on mission. And so we say we don't volunteer here. Uh, we serve. Volunteers show up to a job. We serve the mission of God. We serve God's calling. And there's so many of you on the dream team look around that you guys have been so faithful. I mean, this is all set up for the from dream teamers being faithful every week. I mean, everything you see is done by somebody that's living on mission. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. We do a crash course. Basically, we, we shoot for the last Sunday of every month. And it's your best way to really find out who you're called to be. Uh, your, your abilities, your shape, um, it's your giftedness, your chance for me and Diane to really connect with you. And then we help, if you're interested, place you and find your potential and put you on the team to serve next to people. And this is really cool because you get to serve soul to soul. Like you don't come here and just like punch a clock or put up a chair. You, it's like a fraternity. It's like a sorority. You, get, you make relationships that really change your life. And so if you're like sitting there and you're like, man, I don't know what's next, man, get involved on the team. And our team is just phenomenal. we got, um, man, I don't know how many roles. There's probably 100 different roles you can serve in. So there's some for everybody. You don't have to serve in kids or hold a microphone, do some for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Uh, there's a lot you can do. Um, but we'd love to have you out. And so we do a crash course. we got one coming up in a couple weeks. But little plug. I'm really proud of what God's doing. Uh, that 35 people, by the way, is like, I'm, it's over like 25% of our team increase this year. So it's really cool. Second thing is really awesome about this is we are developing leaders behind the scenes, people who are taking ownership of the mission. And it's really cool because we take somebody who's just willing, somebody's got potential, somebody say, put me in, coach. I don't know anything about what you're talking about, but put me in, I'm going to find out. And we partner with an experienced leader. So take somebody who's really green or put somebody who's really, really uh, achieved at that and has the character and competency and calling for that. And we'll partner together for a season of time to develop them. It's been really, really cool. We started with about three leaders, believe that or not, at the beginning of the year, three leaders. And right now we have 21. Come on, somebody. That's encouraging. I'm telling you. I love it. So our, our vision for this next year and a half is to have 100 leaders step in that we developed. And so it's all about building big people. So uh, if you have an IC new conversation, maybe coming your way. So just watch out. We're going to see, we see potential. We see what God's doing in your life. Uh, one more thing. It's really cool. It's coming up. Uh, this next month, this is something very special. Uh, real life turns four years old. Do you believe that or not? Four years. Old. Dude, it's like, man, wow. This is what happens. When you turn one, everybody's jazzed. It's like, might as well turn 30 at this point. And it's like, yeah, another year, whatever, you know. And so um, September 26th, we're going to celebrate big um, what God has been doing. And something very special we always love to celebrate. It's one of our traditions we do on a birthday celebration is we baptize people. And so uh, we love it. We actually just know God's working. I've seen uh, teenagers come to Christ this year at youth camp. Maybe you uh, came to Christ, you raised your hand at a gathering, and maybe you're online, or maybe somebody just in the community. Uh, but we'd love for you, if you start a relationship with Jesus, have not been baptized, to go to our website, get signed up. And it's an amazing process. You're not going to be like, thrown in the water or something, but they're going to walk you through this, and we get to share your story in front of the church. And all you're doing is saying, I'm all in for Jesus. Like, I'm not ashamed of what God has done in my life. Like, I, I was dead in sin, but I'm alive to God. And you're just making that public and let everybody know where you're at with Jesus. And maybe you grew up in church, you know Jesus, but you never baptized. Or maybe you got baptized as a baby, and uh, you start following Jesus later in life, and you've never been baptized after knowing Jesus. So we'd love to help you with that story. It's really cool. You get to say thanks to people. We do something unique for baptism. Uh, we allow you to bring other people into baptistry water. So like a spiritual father, a mentor, somebody play a part of your spiritual journey can baptize you right here in real life. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's exciting, dude. It's a lot different. I don't know where I'm marking that. So 
Um, but I'd love to see you guys get signed up. We usually baptize about 10% of our church a year. And so I just know God is working in people's lives, especially in this season. I've seen a lot of that. So get signed up. Well, today, you guys ready for a new series? Man, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach. Hope you guys are ready to receive. We got a new series, Questions. And so this whole thing is really about answering questions. And I'm answering them, but talking about questions uh, that are on your mind, but often don't share. So things you think about, but seldom actually bring up to really probably anybody. And so what I want you to do as questions come to your mind, I would love for you to text in your questions. So we're going to pose the question, but I'm thinking today you're probably going to leave with more questions than answers. And so as God moves or as you're thinking, man, I don't know what about this, what about this, what about this, just text them in RL questions to 97000, and I'm going to take your questions and I'm going to do my best. Uh, to answer them and encourage them on Facebook Live on Tuesday at 3 p.m. And I'm not going to use your name, okay? When you text in, just know we have no idea who you are. It's not connected to our database, so it's just like uh, a number, okay? And I know some of you now are just thinking, how can I mess with the pastor? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If, somebody told me earlier, if, if an unstoppable object hits, an, whatever it is, right? <laughs> a movable force. What's going to happen? I'm just going to put Jesus. Yeah, I'm gonna, that's my answer. Paul, Jesus. Um, but I love for you to have some questions. As a matter of fact, I love for every single one of you to text in a question today. It would be super helpful to see how everybody's at and uh, be able to challenge you. But today we're just going to start the conversation. Uh, I'm not going to ask a question, just load up and start preaching at you. Uh, but it's going to start the conversation. So today starts with a major question. Uh, it's real small. We'll cover it in at least three or four minutes. No, no big deal. Uh, it's really simple. How do I know God is real? The end. See you guys next Sunday. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those questions. Like, really? Like, you're going there. All right, we're going there. Uh, we have all sorts of questions we're going to ask. We have questions about death, and I might even ask a question about getting vaccinated during one of the series. How about that? Huh? Mm, 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 mm. Hey, sorry, I'm stepping on toes, just trying to get to your heart. Um, all right, that's old school. But <laughs> I'm not going to give you an answer to that question, but I, I will encourage you with it. But I want to encourage you today. How, how do we know the Bible is real? How do we know God is real? I mean, can I really hang my hat on this book? Like, how do I really know this is true? Like, these are all questions I super struggled with when I was growing up, when I was a new Christian. Even into my Bible college years, I was like, man, what? And there's still sometimes in life I'm still like, whoa, man, is this it? And is it that simple? Like, how do I know this is actually the word of God? There's some big claims in here if you haven't figured it out. Like, there's a flood that happens, that Jesus is God. He created everything in six days. I mean, he was down across for our sins, born of a virgin. I mean, resurrected the third day. How, how do I really know this is true? And if you ask the average person on the street, most people don't believe it's true. Uh, most people believe Jesus was a good person. Jesus was a historical figure. Jesus was a guy that existed. You know, David Copperfield lived the same time as Jesus. Then David Copperfield had been Jesus. I mean, you get all sorts of answers about who is Jesus. But how do we know for sure this is absolute truth? Like, how do we do that? You guys got questions yet? Text your questions in. <laughs> That's my promo for you. I'm going to keep it coming. All right, we had a video. I'm just cutting it. But... Um, and maybe it never got back there. I have no idea. But uh, I'll say this. It is 100% okay to doubt. Somebody say doubt. doubt. I'm going to keep you alive today. It's 100% okay to have doubts. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about doubts in the Bible. And Jesus, he is the master of taking people who have large doubts or total unbelief 
and converting them and transforming them into the most devout Jesus followers. Matter of fact, this was Jesus' mission. So if you're a doubter today, guess what? Jesus wants you to grow in your faith. You're not alone, and we're going to see that. But we're going to talk about the most famous doubter in the Bible. You may have heard of him. His name is Doubting Thomas. And if you have your Bible, you can find it in John chapter 11, verse 3. So pick it up. John 11 says this. So the two sisters, this is Mary and Martha. They sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend, this is Lazarus. Your friend Lazarus is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Know what happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now, I love this, that even these tragedies, I mean, we're talking COVID season tragedies, things that happen in our life that make no sense that you think God's going to step into, God is working. God knows exactly what's going on. He says, it's going to be for my glory what I'm about to do. And so it says in verse 5, so although Jesus loved Mary and loved Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He didn't come and heal Lazarus. Matter of fact, Lazarus dies. He says, finally, he said to his disciples, hey, let's go back to Judea where Lazarus is at. And so Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. I could have healed him, but I'm glad he died. For now, you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. Isn't it kind of weird to think that Jesus was happy Lazarus died? Have you ever read that before? And you're like, for real? Like, what's Jesus doing? And then here's Thomas, doubting Thomas. Nicknamed the twin, it said to his fellow disciples, man, let's go to and let's go die with Jesus. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I read this passage, I'm like, man, what is this talking about? Let's go die with Jesus. Like, what is Thomas like? Oh, I finally figured it out. This is what Thomas is saying. Hey, if we're going to go see Lazarus, who is dead, with Jesus, well, Jesus must have to die, and we're going to have to go die to see him. We're going to go on a suicide mission to see Lazarus. Come on, everybody. It's exciting. Come on, let's go die with Jesus. There's no other way that we're going to see Lazarus. I mean, it's like never crossed his mind. It never crossed my mind that Jesus was going to raise him from the dead. And so when, when he dies, Jesus is like, I'm so excited. Now I'm going to show you a miracle. And so he takes them to Judea. They stand outside the tomb. You may know the story. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes crawling out of the grave. Come on, get up out of that grave. You know the song, maybe. Nope, just me. That's cool. <laughs> That's your first question. See, he knows over there. That's your first question. What song is that pastor talking about? <laughs> I'm not going to sing it to you because it would be terrible. You'd never want to listen to it after that. But Jesus calls him out of the grave, and all of a sudden, here's Doubting Thomas. His jaw hits the ground, and his mind's like, for real? I thought we're going to go here to die, but instead you called this guy back from the dead? Who is this guy? Like, he didn't know Jesus had this kind of power. He's looking at Jesus going, okay, for real? Did that just happen? It's like you TikTok video. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? For real? Like, you know something's weird, but God had a plan. And I can't tell you that God is okay with your doubts. Like, God knows exactly where you're at. God knows they're down. He's like, I'll go heal him now, but you need to see him get raised from the dead. So let's go ahead and let him die so I can raise him from the dead. So hope maybe your unbelief, because that's what Jesus always did. And Thomas, you know, he's not always judged for his moment of doubt. You know, he may have a longer season than some people in the Bible, but you know what? God used it. Now, I love about doubting is Jesus never shamed you as a doubt. Whoa, that was cool. I doubt, I don't know. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I can't see the guys in the back, but they're probably making faces. But, um, but Jesus doesn't shame us as doubters. I mean, Jesus never looks at you and says, man, I wish you had more faith. 
If you're a better Christian, you wouldn't doubt. I mean, if you're just good enough, like Jesus never condemns us for our doubts. As a matter of fact, Jesus understands that we start with no faith at all, amen? We start with zero faith. Some of us actually may start with the opposite. We're like antagonistically in unbelief, like atheists, all these different things. And Jesus takes us and builds our faith and he extends the invitation to us. So today I'm just gonna encourage you, I mean, come to Jesus with your doubts. Come with your questions. Come with your skepticism. Come with your misunderstanding or come with what you think is true and just say, okay, God, this is where I'm at today. Where are you? I love this. And if we're real honest today, we've all had a season of doubt or maybe a moment of extreme doubt. Who would be honest today and say, you know what, I've doubted in my life. That's why I've doubted this whole thing. Put that in really high. Be a proud doubt all the way up in the air. All right, now, if you're, if you're just everybody know, keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Don't be scared. I'm going to go up and look like an idiot. You put your hand up for five minutes. I'm just kidding. Five seconds. Now look around. Everybody just turn your head. Just look around. No, look seriously. You're not looking at me. Look around. Look around. Look around. You're in good company. You're in good company. All right. And if you didn't put your hand there, it's totally cool. Um, you have the gift of faith. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, some people like get it like, duh. This made perfect sense. I'm not that guy. My hand's like way up here. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And if you didn't have your hand, maybe I'd. Like, like what did you? Oh, what, what, is, what, what am I raising a hand for? <laughs> you didn't know. Okay, you weren't paying attention. All right. But some, some of you guys, you know, it's like the gift of faith. But for most of us, it's like, for real? Like, for real? That, that was me. That's my story. You know, I was 18 years old. I, I was, I'd been a Christian for three years. Came to, met Jesus, started relationship my freshman, or right, sophomore year of high school, beginning of the year. And I had all these questions. So I started doing what Christians do. I went to church, began to pray. I got my, uh, my KJV Bible. Had a rainbow study Bible. Come on, somebody. I don't know what, what, why. All right. But I, I, John MacArthur study Bible. All this stuff. And I'm like learning things. But it just head-on faced me full of doubts. When I was 18 years old, you know how you make a decision for like the rest of your life because you're supposed to be 18, um, but it's really not true, but you just try it. And so 18, I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And I was on a missions trip in uh, the summer. We are in Mexico in Juarez, just south of El Paso, and there's this mountain that's just right south of the border, and it's just real destitute. It's kind of that like just abstract poverty, like somebody that would live on less than a dollar a day. Uh, there's a shanty that's maybe the size of these four pieces of the stage just right here. And it's just made of pallets, just wooden pallets. It's made of, like, rubber tires, just anything you could find out of the trash. Sheet metal, hoods, whatever. And their whole family lives in this thing. And I just remember being just, like, stuck in this moment, just, like, being torn. Like, is this really real? Like, the gospel's for everybody. And when you cross cultures, it becomes very apparent that the gospel's not just for me. And so I began to just be torn apart, wondering, like, is it really this simple? Like, does, does somebody need to go and tell these people? And I felt this call in my life to, like, be a part of the mission of God way bigger than myself, not just to show up on a Sunday, but to live all the way in for Jesus. And I kept thinking to myself, how do I know it's real? Like, I literally, I remember scraping off sand off this, really, this playground and just crying and just wondering, is this worth my life? Like, am I going to sell out to this or am I going to go back to the American dream? Like, am I going to live for myself or going to live for God. And these were like, in that moment, I knew I had to find an answer. Like, it wasn't going to be something I was going to let go of. And so I was just kind of broken in that season. And then we all struggle with doubts. We all wonder where we're at. And today I want to help you through your doubts. So I'm not going to give you answers. I'm actually going to give you maybe some best practices, maybe open up some more questions for you, and just kind of start the conversation. But I'm going to give you four best practices of how to process your doubts. Number one is this, if you're taking notes, talk about your doubts. Talk about your doubts. You know Jesus is okay with your doubts? Check this out. Jesus was always surrounded by doubters. I mean, you think about Peter, leader of the disciples. What does he do? He gets out of the boat, which is really cool, by the way. I'd love to join that club to walk on water. 
And then he walks to Jesus and starts to sink. And then Jesus says, oh, you little faith, why do you, where's my Bible scholars? There you are, doubt. You knew that was coming. You guys cheated. But why did you doubt? Why are you doubting me? And every disciple doubts. Matter of fact, if you just fast forward to when Jesus dies on the cross and all his disciples scatter because they don't know this is really a part of the plan, but he told them numerous times, there's no episode, there's no moment, there's no story in the Bible where somebody pulled up a lawn chair with the big gulps, you know what I'm saying, outside the tomb and just waited for the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, if they understood anything, if they were full of faith, they would have understood that Jesus was going to die and take his life back up again. But you know where they were at? In fear and doubting. Matter of fact, they didn't believe it was even possible. And somebody, these ladies, went to the tomb to just change the, the garments of his burial garments. They didn't come to go, is Jesus resurrected? They had no. There was no faith. So you're in good company. Come on, somebody. I mean, the greatest leaders in the church were doubters. We all started there, and that's where we're going to start today. But can I encourage you to be a proud doubter? Like, don't be the kind of doubter that doesn't talk about it. Just talk about your doubts. That's what Thomas is known for, is just talking about his doubts. Matter of fact, one of the most proud doubters that I can think of, he wrote a little book. I did this to myself last time, too. Jenga. I can't get to this thing. He wrote a little book called Case for Christ. And this Case for Christ is uh, written by a guy named Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel is, uh, at the time he did the research, was a complete atheist, his wife became a Christian from a church up in Chicago, and they had a deal like they didn't believe in God, and he's like, never going to do that. And then she started believing in Jesus, and he was really mad about it. He was a journalist for Chicago, Chicago Tribune. Chicago Tribune. Can you say that? That sounded weird. And um, anyway, so he says, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to disprove the Bible and disprove Jesus. And so he starts to antagonistically process and think through and ask tons of questions. But he was a proud doubter. Literally, like, you'd have to guess what he's thinking. I believe in Jesus, but... And he wrote all these things, and he went out to do research and was funded to go figure out if Jesus was real or not. An amazing, amazing, amazing book. But he was a proud doubter, somebody who talked about it. Thomas was known for talking about his doubts. The first thing he said is, there's no way, because we're going to go die today. I mean, that's just Thomas. He just said his doubts. But you get a little nervous when it's like a secret doubter, you know, somebody who doesn't talk about it, like the rest of the disciples. <laughs> they just showed it in those moments, right? But for some of us, it's easy to be the secret doubter, like somebody that goes to church every Sunday, and you're like, I don't know if it's really worth my life. Like, it's cool to show up and, like, spectate, but I'm not sure I want to really be a participant. Like, this is a little too much. Or maybe you've been in youth group, and you've been there for five years or four years, whatever it's been, and all of a sudden, like, you're the Christian dude, right? Because you've been there a long time. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you know Jesus. Or maybe you grew up in a Christian family. I saw us all the time as a youth pastor, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, people come to Christ and they're so ashamed to like, to say I'm a follower of Jesus because everybody assumed they were Christians. But they have all these doubts for all these years and they live a lifetime of just going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, because they wouldn't talk about it. And so I kind of encourage you today not to be a secret doubter. Like at real life church, you'd be the safest place in the entire world to talk about your doubts. Like if you came up to me and said, Sean, I'm really doubting, I'd be like, dude, I'm so happy I can talk to you about this and maybe help you your next step and help you think through it. Not, oh, I can't believe you're down. You need some more faith, you know? We're the kind of church where you show up to, you don't have to be perfect, amen? The kind of church you can come with your doubts. You don't have to have your faith all together. Matter of fact, you just come with your, I don't know, anti-doubts. Like, you come antagonistically. Like, I'm going to come in here to prove Sean wrong today. Like, I don't know whatever it's going to be, right? Like, just come as you are, but I believe God wants to help you through your doubts. 
God wants to make himself known to you. He's not some mystical puzzle, some enigma, something you can't put your hands around like trying to cup water and hold it your entire life. No, Jesus wants you to know he is real, and I believe he's going to speak to you today. You know, as Christians, we can get this really wrong. Uh, in the Bible, you don't actually find the words doubting Thomas. That's not in the Bible. You never see a story of one of the disciples going, there's doubting Thomas, or Jesus doubting Thomas. No, that's something we came up with as Christians. Later on, we read the story, we're like, look at that doubter. Man, can't believe Thomas would doubt. He gets a bad rep for, he gets labeled as just a, man, just a, just didn't have all together. I mean, Thomas, he should never had doubts. Can you believe that? Those doubters like that. And then we think that way, don't we? I mean, all the time, we were sitting there looking at it going, man, I hope we don't be like Thomas. As if the rest of the disciples weren't doubters too, right? He just said it. And so I encourage you to talk about your doubts. Matter of fact, Thomas was so vocal about it, everybody knew he was a doubter. Uh, even God knew he was a doubter. He questioned God himself, and I believe that's where you begin your conversation with doubts, just asking God. Matter of fact, I love that we know Thomas was a doubter because it actually takes a lot of courage to be labeled a doubter. It means you actually talked about your doubts, amen? I mean, if somebody said, doubting Sean, it means I actually had to say something about it. I mean, it's better than the rest of the disciples who never said anything, but they were called doubters by Jesus numerous different times, but we don't label anybody else a doubter. And so Thomas had the courage to talk about, he had the guts to talk about, the guts to bring it up. And it brings me to this point, if you're not writing anything down, this is your moment to type in your phone, I guess, because not write anything. We don't, we're not, we're, this is 2021. Come on, somebody. We don't use pens, all right? But type it in your phone, whatever it is. Here it is. It's oftentimes I'm more afraid of being labeled by others than living for the label maker. Oftentimes we're so worried about other people think about us. Like if they knew I was a Jesus follower, what would my family think? Or like, oh, I'm struggling with my faith. I can't let anybody know my struggles. Or, or like my marriage is falling apart, but I can't tell anybody. Because if somebody knew my marriage wasn't perfect, then I won't look good. Because we're worried about what other people think of us instead of living for the label maker Jesus himself. And it's so easy for us to look around and go, well, I don't want them to know that I don't have this all together. Like, I don't want anybody to know that my life isn't perfect. I can tell you something. When you post on social media and it's just like all perfect things, come on, somebody. Look at my marriage highlight reel. I love my boo. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, everything's perfect. It's like a highlight reel. I mean, I was talking to Diane about this over and over again. It's like, that's how you know it's not perfect. Like, when it's not vulnerable, it's not authentic, it's not raw, and people put this like, my poo smells like roses. Look at it. Right? That's like your first sign that you're compensating to cover up. Can I just encourage you today that we're the type of people as Christians, just like Jesus, that want to encourage you in your marriage, that want to encourage you through your doubts, that are here for you, want to help you? Come on, somebody. If I said amen, he'd know I'm struggling. <laughs> well, if you ain't struggling, you're probably not fighting. So get in the fight. But here's how it works. Thomas, I mean, he talked about it. Man, labels mean you're leading and not retreating. That's a freebie. All right, there's a Chinese proverb. I can't believe I'm quoting a Chinese proverb from the stage. Confucius says, he who asks a question looks like a fool for a moment, but he who doesn't ask a question looks like a fool for a lifetime. We can live with a lifetime of doubts. Matter of fact, I wrestled this down. It took years to figure out. And I was in Bible college still. Every time you figure something out, you're like, ooh, what about this? And God always is faithful and just gives you more faith. Uh, you know, the strongest type of deception is self-deception. Like, we can not talk to anybody about what's going on, and we can just kind of play the role of the Christian. Like, what's stopping? Like, what is your doubt? There's a question for you. 
you can type that question back to me on our old questions. <laughs> I need some questions to answer on Tuesday. It's a real short video if you guys aren't texting anything in. <laughs> need some help here. Come on. All right. Second thing is this. Not only talk about your doubts, but let God speak into your doubts. Man, Thomas had doubts, but it helped build his faith. God used all these doubts to build his faith. In John 20, 24, I love this. They see Jesus. There's a sighting of Jesus, and Thomas is going to doubt. Found in verse 24. It says, now Thomas, called Didymus, was translated the twin. So he's got this other person, sister, brother, whatever. So Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. How, tell about missing out on the party, right? Jesus resurrected from the dead. You weren't hanging out with disciples. You showed up. You show up, and you're like, hey, what happened? And they tell him. The disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And this is what Thomas says. Yeah, right. Unless I see the wounds and the nails and hands, put my finger in the wounds from the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe it. Who knows when you follow God, never say never. Come on, somebody. Never say never. You know who is listening to this conversation? Jesus. Yeah, he knew exactly what Thomas was saying. He was waiting. I'm going to see what Thomas, he probably showed up on purpose. Thomas is not here. I'm showing up. It's going to want to see what he says. He's got enough faith to believe this happened. Oh, look what he said. Well, guess who shows up at the party? Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were again together in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Who knows that Jesus does not need a door to make an entrance? Come on, somebody. Boom, shows up in the room. I love what Jesus does. Look at this whole conversation. He says, peace be with you, looks at the room, and then turns all his attention to Thomas. Hmm. I was thinking about this for eight days, Thomas. Here, put your finger here, right here. See that? Examine my hand. Do you see my hand? Do you see those holes? Yeah, that's real, buddy. And extend your hand right here on my side. Feel that? Yeah, that, that's my kidney. Yeah, right there. You got it. Maybe it's back here a little bit. I messed it up. God knows what's in there. I don't know what's in there. He said, do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. I mean, this whole thing, Jesus knew his doubts. He tested his doubts, and then he he searched out. He went in and like spoke into his doubts. He literally just set him up. I love it. And God is doing the same thing in our life today. God's working all these little situations and things you're struggling with, and he's working them to help you become a stronger believer full of faith. God is close to you. He's not absent. He's not an enigma. He wants you to know him. And I love what Thomas, this is the reply that we all need to have at some point. He says this, my Lord in my God. It's finally making sense. Jesus is God. And some of us are going to leave here today saying this. And Jesus said to Thomas, man, you have believed because you see me. Because Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet believed. That's us today. Man, you're blessed today if you're like, I believe in Jesus. Because you ain't going to see him physically, okay? You don't come popping back in here today. Boom. You never know. But I'm just telling you, you're blessed to believe in Jesus. And so let God speak into your doubts. Man, Thomas was basically full of unbelief. Like, there's no way that was Jesus. That's not, you're out of your mind. This is Missouri, is it not? Show me. Show me. Come on, Jesus. Show me. There's no way that's real. I know you, you saw something. It's probably a ghost, but there's no way it was Jesus. Who knows that Jesus is in the business of taking atheists, people who hate God or don't believe in God, and, and turn them in, into devoted followers of him. Who knows that Jesus is in the business of taking people full of doubts, people who are agnostic and believe there is a God, but there's no way to God. Or taking people who, are, who believe in multiple gods, that all roads lead to God, or even the spiritual wave that we live in today, we're like, we all do love, and love, you, you do you, and oh, it's all good, it's all love. Jesus was a good person, he just exemplified love, and everybody just loves love. 
Okay, I'm not stepping on my toes yet today. There's so many people believe that. Based on what? Like, there's no, this is not it. But Jesus takes that and he turns it into people that are full of faith. He just starts right where you're at. Nobody followed Jesus when he showed up. Nobody was a believer. And he convinces them and shows them full of faith. Man, God will speak into your doubts if you just start even with unbelief. Maybe you start out today like this. Yeah, God, I believe in you, but there's so many contradictions. Like, I believe in you, but I had this experience at church. I can't tell you how many times I hear that as doing crash courses with people. I, 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 I haven't been to church forever because fill in the blank some story, some leader, some pastor, some friend, something happened at some church because some Christian did something. And all of a sudden we're like, well, God must not be real or it's not worth my life anymore because somebody discredited God. It happens all the time. But we got to take a step back from that and say, look, I'm not putting people on a pedestal. Man, there, there's no perfect person, but I'm going to follow Jesus. But oftentimes we're saying, okay, God, I believe in you, but, you know, my parents thought this, or my teacher said that, or I really think this. That's fine. Just come with your doubts. Let God search your doubts. I mean, how do you know the Bible is true? I mean, just how, how can you seek this out? And I just believe just come with a pure heart to God. Just show up and say, okay, God, like, I've got, I've got issues with you. <laughs> like, there's no way you're who you say you are. Like, there's no way you did that. I remember uh, Diane, you did, she was in high school, and she said stuff like, okay, God, if you're real, move the shoe across the room. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Just, just do something. Show me a sign. Come on, right? <laughs> like, you just have these, like, moments where you want God to show up and do certain things, but God has his timing, and he has his way. But if you sincerely seek after God, God is leaning into you. Draw close to him. Draw close to you. And so uh, if you look at my life, man, it could be easily doubter, Sean. Like, I, had, I did not believe that science and reason could coexist with the Bible. When I was in high school, I was like, really? I mean, how do you put this together with this? I mean, evolution and creation just don't match very well, right? I mean, all this science and reason and faith, it's like, how do these go together? And I mean, I was kind of a thinker and still try to be, I guess, at some level, right? And I'm like, this, this doesn't make sense. Like, this is just a little too simple. Like, really? The gospel? Like, somebody died for it? That's it? Is, is it really that easy? I just struggle with that at 18 years old, just wondering if this could be real. And so at 18, I was sitting there in, in Mexico, and I made this decision. It was going to be really simple. It's either going to be all true or it's going to be all false. But either way, I'm going to be all in. So God, you better start speaking. And so I started researching, and I started searching out God and started picking up some books we're going to talk about and start searching out my faith. And so there's some big assumptions I was making at that time, a lot of big assumptions that people have for us as Christians. The assumption is this, if you follow Jesus, then you're living by blind faith. Often people think in the world, or if you're not uh, at this level yet, you're thinking, well, if I follow Jesus, it just means <laughs> off the stage, right? Like you're just stepping into the great abyss. Like it's just an ignorant belief you believe in God. Like there's no evidence to support what you're saying. You're just believing it because you need a crutch or you're weak or whatever thing. Else. That's what we hear all the time from people. That's what you're up against when you're following Jesus is a world that doesn't believe in Jesus, and so, can I tell you today that we don't live by blind faith, we live by faith, amen? There is a lot of evidence that points to Jesus, and I would even go so far to say that it takes more faith to believe in other things than Jesus. Like, I don't have enough faith to believe in some things that people are putting out there. And so, I started reading this book at 18 years old, and if you were to look through this, it's highlighted up, it's circled, it's notes, all this stuff, and it's... I mean, it's pretty cool because this is like half a lifetime ago for me. And I actually started going through this book with, uh, with Logan, uh, 18 years old, and said, hey, let's go through this because it changed my life. 
at, my, at that age. And so if you're interested, you want to go through the book, jump in. I'll love to take you through it. But this book is amazing. It was written by somebody who's an atheist at the time, all the research by an atheist. And so when he put this together, he's asking all these hard questions. And he's asking questions that most of us probably trying to get to, but maybe never really addressed. And so he goes out to all these different leaders and scientists and archaeologists and historians all across the world to disprove Jesus. And so if you were to get the original title of the book, it'd be called Case Against Christ. Come on, somebody. Nobody likes that. I like that. I like antagonistic because this isn't some Christian dude writing a book. This is somebody who doesn't believe in God, researching it to disprove God, and puts together his thoughts and comes to a conclusion. And so I want to give you some of the ideas that are in the book. This is a resource to help you with your doubts. So who's read this book, by the way? All right, a lot of you read the book. Now, if you haven't read the book, I would encourage you. Case for Christ, there's a lot of different ones, but let me, he's updated it. But here's some ideas, some questions, the answers. Can the biographies of Jesus be trusted? Like, how do you know the Gospels are true? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how, are these really trustworthy? Uh, were the Jesus biographies reliably preserved for us? Like, okay, maybe it was from God, but did somebody change it? How do we know it was passed down and it was done well and it was correct and it wasn't just modified by people? Uh, is there credible evidence for Jesus outside the Bible? I mean, surely if the Bible is written in, like, actual history, there should be a lot of stuff around it that points to other philosophers or writers or historians or archaeology. Uh, fourth, does archaeology confirm or contradict the Bible? I mean, is there actual cities and rivers that are found in the Bible that are found on maps? Uh, was Jesus just an historical figure? You hear that all the time. It was, he, yeah, I never doubted he existed, but he just existed. Uh, was Jesus truly the son of God? That's a big claim, right? Was the resurrection of Jesus just a hoax? And I love what he comes down to, and I'm just going to give you a spoiler. You guys ready for a spoiler? Because <laughs> it's called Case for Christ, so you probably know where this is going by now. But page 265, he says, On November 8th, 1981, I realized that my biggest objection to Jesus also had been quieted by the evidence of history. I found myself chuckling at how the tables have been turned. In light of the convincing facts I had learned during my investigation in the face of this overwhelming avalanche of evidence in the case for Christ, that the great irony was this. It would require much more faith for me to maintain my atheism than to simply trust in Jesus. Come on, dude. All this. There's like 10,000 hours of research put in. I mean, just one of those faith-building books. If you've never read it, I would encourage you to get it. Or jump in with my group. Me and Logan, we, we were like two chapters in or whatever. So come on. I'd love to have We've got Doubters Club. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm bringing back some Robin Williams, whatever he had. What's that show he had? No, no, not Doubtfire. <laughs> now you know why Barry's not preaching. <laughs> That's the one who read the, who read the books. Dead Poet Society. There you go. Brownie points. Give it up. You can't see who's over here. Oh, it's Christy. <laughs> Barry, you, you outpun the defense, my friend. That's all I got to say about that. But Carpe diem. <laughs> or as a pastor I once knew preached carpe diem. <laughs> Whatever. It's perfect. But I would encourage you to search out your faith. Uh, this is one of those faith builders for me. It's another book. I'm not, I'm not getting any royalties on this, but maybe I should. Um, there's a little book um, by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Man's a Verdict. He put together, it's kind of a two-part series, and he condensed it down to this little book. It's 168 pages. My favorite style book. Come on, somebody. And he gives us arguments about who Jesus is. And so uh, it's more of a philosophical argument. So I've got a couple copies I'll talk about for a second. You see that? That wasn't faith. That, that wasn't blind faith. That was just faith. I knew there was a floor there. <laughs> the floor caught me. Whew, man. Um, 
whatever, we're going way off track. But this book, it's really, really philosophical, but it has some really good thoughts on it. And the greatest argument that really stuck out to me and something that really shaped my faith was he has this argument called liar, lunatic, and Lord. And so Jesus is either a complete liar, like he just made up knowingly. Uh, he was a lunatic, so he was somebody that just out of his mind, he, he, he didn't know, but he just, whatever, like a drunk or just some madman, right? Or he was actually Lord. Like it was actually true. I mean, that's, if you think about Jesus, that's really the only three options. If Jesus existed historically, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or a Lord. And he asked this question, and it's so powerful. He asked the question, would you die for a lie? Would you die for a lie? So 10 out of 11 original disciples died for their faith. They were martyred. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. He, didn't, he thought, I want, to get, I want to put to death worse than Jesus. And they flipped his cross upside down with his head on the bottom, and, and they crucified him. Uh, James has his head cut off. He's beheaded in the early church. He wasn't a pastor very long. Uh, there's a lot of, um, all the disciples had some way of dying. with a torn asunder. Uh, John was the only one who didn't die a martyr's death. He was exiled. He was dumped in tar. Uh, and he was sent to an island to live by himself and die. And that's how he ended up writing some of the books in the Bible when he was, when he was older. So every single one of the disciples suffered or most of them died for Jesus. And the question is, if they lived with Jesus, would they die for a lie? I mean, would they die if they knew Jesus was lying? If they didn't see his resurrection, would they go out and preach this gospel they didn't believe in? Did they think Jesus was a madman or was he Lord? And so that question just always reminds me of how true the Bible is and that people do live on faith and we don't have to see it to believe it. So um, who has not read this book? Put your hand up, you've not read the book. All right, if I gave you a copy, would you read it? I've got three copies. Leave your hand up if you want a copy. All right. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go statistically, I'm gonna go with dads. Because I know if God gets a hold of a dad, he gets a hold of a family. So I'm just gonna go with that one. And just believe there's some seeds getting planted in your guys' family that's gonna change your life. And I would encourage you to read that book. Uh, just phenomenal resource. And uh, wherever you're struggling, there's resources out there. Matter of fact, we think it's blind faith, but it's actually there's a lot more evidence to point to Jesus than there really is to any other solution that the world comes up with. Where's the problem with evil? Where did it come from? Why do we have a conscience? Where, what about creation? What happens when you die? The Bible is so cohesive and so put together, and it's not just itself, but everything around it points to this being true. Now I'm starting to preach and give any answers. But I'm just telling you, there's, if you search out other worldviews and other things, you're not gonna find anything that's put together that's so cohesive, the worldview is so clean as the Bible. So I want to guide you to this concept as you're thinking through your doubts, you're thinking through questions. Here's the, here's the concept. Anything is possible, but not all things are probable. Anything's possible. We like to say anything can happen. Oh, you never know. Uh, did, did Abraham Lincoln exist? No, oh, anything's possible. Maybe it didn't exist. Maybe everybody made it up. You have no idea. You can't reprove history. You can't use a scientific theory on history. But anything is possible in history, but what is probable? Think about this. This is some questions that plagued me as I started studying that just stick out. One is, how did the Egyptian chariots get to the bottom of the Red Sea? Dude, History Channel showed me that. Come on, somebody. Right? But they're literally, you can, you can see in this video of them, there's just chariots all through the Red Sea. How did they get there? People like to imagine that didn't happen. But how did they get there? How come every religion has a flood story? doesn't matter what religion you pick. There's a story of a flood. So there must be a flood. Everybody's pointing to this flood. Uh, why would the, would the disciples die for a lie? We just talked about that. Would they, would, they, would they knowingly die for a lie to keep this conspiracy going? Now, I love this one. And this came from when I was in Bible college, but, um, and it's actually, he mentions it in the book, by the way, it's Logan knows, because I read it with him. But if you think about Alexander the Great, you're taught your entire life, Alexander the Great is real. You, we, all taught, we all taught that in school. He's, he, he was this, this conqueror, right? Uh, for the Greek empire. 
We all, we all know that. We all believe that. But there's only five manuscripts written about Alexander the Great. 800 years after he died, that's when they're first written. So you have 800 years of history, and then somebody started writing about this amazing conqueror. And we teach it at schools like it's normal. Like, duh, this is real history, guys. But there's 5,000 manuscripts about Jesus that date back the first actual manuscripts we have, like on record, like physically you can see, within 100 years of Jesus' life. Today, you can find these things. But the autographer go all the way back that they're rewritten from this original autographer to within 20 years of Jesus' death. But we don't teach that at school. We don't believe that. That's, that's just wrestle with that, you know? Like, how do we know truth, epistemology? Like, do we really know what we know? Like, why do you believe that kind of thing? But if you look at it, it's definitely not blind faith. There's so much. Whether you go big and micro, or you go big and macro, or you think about any other way of thinking, it all points back to Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, oh man, I got some more questions I forgot. Hold on, let's go back. I mean, how, how come the manuscripts have no major contradictions? Uh, you, you know, the Bible is written in three different areas, Syria, M Middle East, like North Africa, and Europe. And they're written from three different areas all at the same time. But there's no major doctrinal issues at all because God is working on this. I'm starting to preach again. I'll have to stop that. Um, <laughs> how did poor, uneducated fishermen write and distribute the most popular book in history? I mean, the Bible literally calls them stupid, like uneducated fishermen. I don't know about you, but history is written by the rich, isn't it? The aristocrats, I mean, that's who owns, that's, that's who was educated to write, who had the ability to publish what they wanted to, who controlled the text and the narrative and the rhetoric that was coming out. That would never happen, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah. But how, how, how these uneducated fishermen produced literally the most popular book of history. There's more copies of the Bible than any other book in all the world by fishermen? Just saying. I mean, how come every city, nation, and river in the Bible is cited historically outside of extra-biblical sources, including Sodom and Gomorrah, which are wiped from the face of the earth in the Bible? They're found in the Magna Carta. Like how every single place. I love the Bible. You start reading Genesis, and it has a river called Euphrates. Come on, somebody. You can still find that river. Isn't that amazing? When I was in high school, I told you I searched out my faith. I read the Book of Mormon. Had one of my best friends was Mormon. So I was like, yeah, I'll read the Book of Mormon. And literally, it's written in the North America, like United States, and there's rivers in cities you can't even find. What? It's crazy. That's just me. It's cool. How can Jesus pick the most specific language of all history to come and write the New Testament? I mean, he came and wrote it in Koine Greek. Greek is the most specific language. You can't mess it up. The New Testament is literally written with 26 letters left to right, with no spaces, no punctuation, no capitalization, literally just letter, 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 letter. It's so specific, you can take just letters and pull out the language. I'm telling you, don't believe me. I'm telling you, look it up. Like, you can't mess it up. Jesus, I started preaching again. I said, stop. All right, how come the second law of thermodynamics, keyword law, that's the word, law, keyword, law, 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 think law. law. Law means it's proven to be true. This isn't a theory like evolution. It's a law. Second law of thermodynamics is entropy. Entropy simply says this, all things move from order to chaos. Literally, in science, things are always breaking down. They're never coming together. Everything, all the time. Second, look it up yourself, look it up, entropy, I love it. And then we're taught our whole lives that we should believe in evolution especially macroevolution and believe in the Big Bang Theory, when everything says in science, a law says that it moves from order. You get where I'm going, I'll stop preaching. Just saying. 
Science, for me, complements what God did in six days. That's what I see. That's where I came to the conclusion. I've been spending my whole life going, why God, why God, why God? It's like, well, dude, look at God. He did it in six days. We're sitting there a whole lifetime trying to argue and figure out this and this. And God's like, that was just Tuesday. A lunch a Tuesday. I had my coffee, did that. Look what it says in Hebrews 11.3. It says this, by faith we understand the worlds were what? What's it say? The worlds were set in order. By faith we believe that everything you see was set in order by God's command so that what you can see, which is visible, has its origin, which is invisible. So basically it's like me putting a battleship on the screen and the first thing you're thinking is, who built that? Obviously it didn't come out of nowhere. And this is what the Bible is saying, that by faith we believe that everything you see, everything in creation demands a creator. We believe that by faith. Matter of fact, I was looking this up. I kind of like the solar system. I get, you probably figured out I'm a nerd by now. It's cool. I was labeled, but I'm going to live for Jesus. All right, we're going for it. But look at this. This says, how many stars are in the galaxy? How many stars in the universe? Not just a galaxy, everywhere. How many stars? They estimate 30 to 70, don't miss this, billion, trillion stars. You gotta do the math on this. I did this. Three to 30 billion trillion is three to the 22nd. That's 22 zeros behind three. Three, zero, 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 zero. Or 70, 70 to the 22nd. I mean, it's crazy to think about. Those guys who came up with the strategy to name a star, geniuses. $5 a star, $100 a star. Whatever amount of money you want, it don't matter. That's a lot of money, right? I mean, I, I was like, okay, so let's say we bought all the stars. Like, and let's say we sold a star for every second. Okay, so every second, star, star, star being sold. It would take 951 trillion years to sell all the stars at the 30 billion trillion level. I mean, if you went to the 70 billion trillion, it's like, this is crazy. And, and, and where all this come from? And the Bible says, by faith, we believe that God just, Look, it says in Psalm 33, 6, it says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Literally what the Bible says of how all the stars got there, he just said, stars. All a day, by the way. Not 951 trillion years, just the greatest fireworks show in all of history went down by the breath of God. This is who the Bible says God is. He is so big and so unfathomable. That's why I hate when people make God look small, like, oh, creation is really extended over these eras, all this time. It's like, why can't he do it? He didn't create Adam as an infant. Why can't he make the world look old? Why, does he, why do we have to put God in a box? But I struggle with that, like, I'm preaching again. I gotta stop about that. Jonah, a whale, a flood. Like, there's some crazy stories in the Bible, but God is big enough to do anything because he's in charge of nature. He's not... I'm preaching, but it's not limited by nature. So here's what the world says. If the, this, is what, this is literally, so you gotta compare that. That's what the Bible says, that all the worlds were formed by God because he spoke, all the stars. All right, now let's say, that here's what the world says. So if we had a Hebrews 11, three, the world version, by faith we understand that the worlds were set in order, and you gotta fill in the blank here, this is the science, by a crystal carried on the back of an alien, Richard Dawkins. If you don't know who it is, then you're not struggling that much. <laughs> scientists for the world, right? So he's saying that all life basically came from time with nitrogen and heat from like lightning or volcano. And then organic life, carbon-based life form did not happen. It's scientifically impossible. It's like 10 to the 77th power. Like this scientifically unproven. Anything over the 10 to the 50th power is impossible scientifically. So the only way it could have happened for Dawkins is if another being, an alien, 
brought a carbon crystal to earth. What? I told you I didn't have the faith to be an atheist. Did I not? And you look it up. I'm not, you think I'm making this up. Like, Pastor, you're crazy. You're, just, you're so, you're so Bible-based, tearing down the world, science. That's literally what he says. One of the most renowned scientists in the world. This is his idea of where we came from. I told you, you have enough faith to be an atheist. Last thing is this. I'll leave you with this because uh, I know you guys are hungry. You guys are looking for that. Jose Peppers, whatever it is. All right, I'll tell you this. A little faith goes a long way. Just a little bit of faith. I'm not asking you to be like full-fledged, I'm dying for Jesus kind of Peter kind of faith. I'm just asking for you to like step out of the boat kind of faith. Just get that one second out of the water. The Bible says this in Matthew 17, 20, it says, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, he's probably talking to us, maybe me. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, who's ever seen a mustard seed? Pretty small, right? I didn't anticipate anybody raising their hands. I've never seen a mustard seed. That's cool. <laughs> I was going to say pretty small, aren't they? But you guys ruined my joke. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? Is it, why does he pick the mustard seed? Because it's the smallest seed in his time, in his area. Jesus, if you talk to anybody, they'd be like, oh, yeah, mustard seed. Yeah, that, that's the smallest seed. They would have got that. And he said, if, if you had the faith the size of this little mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here or there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You know, your faith does not have to be perfect for God to use it. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, this church was founded on like, I'm gonna say 50% faith. Just be honest with you. Like literally like, I, we, I didn't come out of the, uh, just out of the gates going, man, look what God's gonna do. I mean, if, you, if you're around me, you're like, I hope, hope it works out. <laughs> come on somebody, right? Like use the back of your head, like this doesn't make sense on Excel. Like numbers aren't crunching. I mean, we had, I raised almost $200,000 to launch a church. How's that possible? We're gonna put it together a team. Where's the team? Like we're gonna get a, we thought it was gonna cost four to $5,000 a week to meet on a Sunday. Where, how are we gonna come up with all that money? All these things didn't make any sense, but God had a plan, amen? And he used like what little faith we had. I just looked back at my life and thought, man, I wish I would've had more faith sooner, amen? I wish I would've had more faith because I just know God would do it. Like, why am I worried about that stuff? Like God is willing. So I'm just gonna go, okay, God, you got it. I've seen you come up, you called somebody out of the grave. I've seen that once. I put my fingers in, in your wounds. So I'm gonna live for you. And so today I believe God just wants to speak to you. And a little bit of faith can change your family. A little bit of faith can change your legacy. A little bit of faith can change how you treat your neighbors. Just a little bit of faith. Maybe the key ingredient you're missing in your life, you may have filled everything else, but all you need is a little tiny mustard seed for God to use your life today. And that's my cue right there. <laughs> all right, pray with me. Father God, I come before you. God, I pray that we'd be faith-filled. God, whatever it takes, God, we, we're coming with our doubts. We're coming with our skepticism. We're coming with our unbelief. But today, God, help us to have more faith, God. God, you're, you're willing to work in our lives. God, you're willing to show us yourself. So God, show yourselves to us today. If there'd be a moment of just honesty for some people in this room that say, you know what, I've been struggling in the season of doubts. I'm really not sure I know Jesus, but I'm really questioning things. And I just want to search out God. I want God to show himself to me. I want to search this for myself and know for sure that who Jesus says is real and the Bible is real. If you're struggling this season with a moment of being a proud doubter, just saying, I'm, I'm doubting and I just need to pray for your pastor. Now, anybody looking around, if that's you, just put your hand high in the air and say, I need this today. Come on, I'm struggling with some doubts. Come on, put them up. This is your chance to say, I need it. Just get real. It's my first step. I see your hand. Who else would say that? I mean, I see your hand way in the middle. Come on. I see your hand over here on the right. Let me pray for you. Father God, 
You see the hands, God. You know everybody's hearts today. We all have questions. I pray you just draw close to each of these. God, I pray they get into a group. I'm not joking about that doubters club. Maybe they get in and get to know about their faith a little more and see some people pour into their lives and get to experience you, God, and give them the strength and the faith, God, to step out. And God, you're always faithful, God. You're always out on the limb. So God, I pray that you just show yourself to us. God, help us to search you and ask those questions, not to be afraid of being a, labeled a doubter, but to live for God. And God, I know you're gonna see us through the other side of our doubts. God, you're so strong and you're so faithful. And there's no way that somebody looks for you and doesn't find you. God, I pray for one group of people today, and that's those of you who'd be like Thomas and just, you saw Jesus maybe for the first time and you're thinking, wow, my God and my Lord. Like, I know who you are today. And maybe the gospel for the first time is making sense to you that who is Jesus that he came 2,000 years ago and died on a cross for your sins. And on that cross, it was his love for you that held him there. The Bible says, for God loved the world, that God loved you, that he sent his son. And so Jesus came on this rescue mission for your soul. And the Bible says, when you turn from your sin, you turn to Jesus. When you call out to him, that you will be saved, forgiven, and made new. And today, some of you are gonna walk out of here like Thomas and say, you know what? I believe you are God today. And the Bible says that you're washed clean of your sin, that you're a new creation. And for the first time in your life, you can have a relationship with the person who spoke every star into existence. And so today, maybe that's you and you need Jesus. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to follow Jesus. And if that's you and you say yes to Jesus, yes to faith, without anybody looking around, would you just raise your hand high and say, I need Jesus today. Come on, if that's you in the room, say, I need Jesus. And if you're online, there'd be a button to click there. But if you need Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, but it's your heart towards God to say, Jesus, thanks for dying across my sin. God, believe in you. God, I have a lot of questions that still to be answered, but I know it all starts with you, Jesus. Everything is pointing to you. And so, God, you can have my life. I want to serve you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who found some faith today. Wow, what an incredible encouragement to jump into some of those doubts. And maybe today is the first day that you said, hey, you know what? I want to make this Jesus thing real in my life. And like Sean said, we are so excited for you. And I have a couple of next steps if that's you today. Um, the first one is this. You can take out your phone. You can text RLNEXT to 97000. That is going to connect you to part of our website with some resources, connect you to a Bible app, some things to help you on your journey with Jesus. But the thing I'm most excited about on there is there's actually a place where you can share your story. So you can go in there, you can type up what God's doing in your life, and that's going to let a member of our team reach out to you, encourage you and just help you as you're taking those steps along your journey. And if you're joining with us in person today, actually at the table on the way out of the worship center, we have some red bags with a Bible in there and a letter with some connection to those same resources. And so I don't want you to miss out on that if you've trusted Jesus today. And then I have three next steps for all of us in the room today. And so the first one is this. In about a month, our fall life groups are going to launch. And maybe you have been like faithfully committed to your group since the beginning of groups at Real Life three and a half years ago, and you were pumped about groups. But I have a special encouragement to some of you who may be hearing that little voice in your heart from God to say, maybe I need to be doing something on mission. And we are looking for a few more couples to be, or individuals, to be life group leaders. And we do not want to 
throw you into the deep end without a rope. We have a process that is going to help to equip you, um, to give you all the tools and resources you need to be a great life group leader. You'll walk alongside an experienced leader who's going to show you how to do it. And so if you've ever had that thought, man, I might want to lead a life group. God might be pushing me that way. I want you to reach out to Holly Holcomb. Her email is on here. You can find her here. If you don't know her here, you find somebody. Where's Holly? They'll take you to her. Um, But we would love to connect you with that if God is pushing on your heart in that way. The second next step I have for you is that we talked a lot about being on mission. We talk a lot about discovering who you are, who God's made you to be, and how you can use that gift or that ability or your personality to make a difference in the kingdom. And I love that about God, that we're all different. And it's easy to look at one person's thing and be like, man, I'm not like that. I'm never going to be like that. But God didn't make me like that, so it's okay. But we have, in a couple of weeks, our crash course. If you have not been a part of this, this is an incredible opportunity where you can discover all four of the next steps that we have here. You can know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then use that to make a difference. And so if you have not come to crash course, you haven't been in next steps, even if you went to next steps four years ago, and you're like, I just disconnected, let me encourage you to come to Crash Course. We've revamped it. It's awesome. It's going to help you figure out how God made you and then how you can make a difference in the world. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a really good time to be together, but there's just some really cool stuff that we do there, and I want you to connect to that. And then the third step, I'm even, this is like pyramids of excitement. I'm like going, and then I'm more excited about Crash Course, and I'm like so excited about this last one. Um, but we have a new strategic missions partner that I'm super excited about. I think I walk faster when I get more excited. I'm like doing this, and your guys' faces are like, where's she going? Um, but I'm really excited about it. So we have a new mission partner that's actually reached out and came to us. And so I'm so excited about it. It's called Apartment Life. Apartment Life is a Christian organization that is nationwide in probably 30-something states, I think, Um, 42 states, even more states. Um, They've been around for a while. They have an amazing track record. And what happened is that they have found that if they plant a Christian couple, individual roommates, somebody within the community of an apartment, then they create community, they build relationships, they do all the things that we try to do as a church, then all of a sudden the apartment gets better things that we know about, right? When you're connected to community, then things get better. They found that their crime rate in the apartments where they have put an apartment life person has gone down like 300%. They found that there's a decrease in calls to the police because no longer I'm like, who is that over there breaking in a thing? No, that's John and that's Joe's car. And John, you know, now all of a sudden I'm invested. That's not just some random person down the hall. That's my friend that I'm connected with. And so what apartment life comes to do is they come to churches or different organizations in an area and say, this apartment complex, so in our case, Eagle Glen Apartments um, in Raymore, just south of the CVS there, has reached out to Apartment Life and said, we want what you have. Secular organizations in the world are saying, we've seen this work, and we want you to send a missionary, so to speak, to this place to help create something that will make a difference. And so I think it's really cool that the world is starting to see the benefit of having a community, having somebody living on mission alongside their neighbors to say, this is my community. I'm going to bring them to Jesus. And so what we are looking for is people who are interested in filling this spot. Um, If you are interested, you can reach out to me. You can find me. You can text me. You can stop by the house, whatever. Um, But find me. Yeah, Um, Sean's making things of me again. I don't know what he's saying, but my email address is up there. Um, Oh, he was saying that. Good. See, 
we're on a wavelength, but it's a really incredible opportunity and we are just really praying for the perfect person from real life to come that we can send out as missionaries to our community. And I think that when we do see them, this person will live at this apartment complex. They will um, meet with all the people who move in new. They'll meet with people before their leases are up and they're moving out. They'll have fun events in the, you know, within that community that we can help with. And so don't let a current lease or situation be a barrier to you. But if this is something you're like, man, God's been pushing me to make a next step in my life to do something on mission for the kingdom, let me encourage you to think and pray about this and reach out to me because I would love to get you more information as you're thinking and praying through being a part of this. And then just know for all of us, when you are a part of generosity at real life, you are making things like this happen. What you give here, what you, you know, when you serve here, you're making the fun activities at Equal Inn Apartment that connect people to their community to make a difference. You're making that happen. And so when you are generous, it is making a difference. And so there's three ways you can do that. You can go to reallifechurchkc.com, click give. You can text any amount to 84321, or we have a giving box in the back where you can drop cash or check if that is more convenient for you. So I want you to check out this video of what's coming up. Hey, it's Diamond here. I was wondering if you had questions. If you have questions, I want you to get out your phone and text RL questions to 97,000. I encourage you to join us on Facebook Live Tuesday at 3. It's an interactive experience where you will send your questions in and we will provide answers and resources for anything that you have weighing on your heart. And so, not only is it going to be next Tuesday, we also want to invite you out on Sunday. Bring your friend, 9.30 and 11. We would love to see you. Pastor Sean is going to answer another question that we often think but seldomly ask. Why am I so afraid to die? See you Tuesday. Bye and Sunday. Who's afraid to die? Nobody? See, we're good. I'm just afraid how she's gonna kill me. That's all I'm worried about. Hey, get your questions in. We can't wait to hang out with you next Tuesday live. I can't wait to see the questions you guys send in and see how Pastor Sean answers those. Man, I am so excited to see what God is doing in our community. We have a mission here through Apartment Life, through Life Groups. Get on board, get involved. You won't regret it. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we'll have a team member up here. We would love to pray with you. We'll see you guys next week at 930 and 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.